All right, it's a new week, so that means you have a new opportunity to hear me lavish praise on the Fangoria magazine. Is the new edition of Fangoria collectible? You better believe it. There are whole-ass issues you can't get anywhere but the secondary market at a hefty markup, by the way. So why not get in on the ground floor and sign up for a year subscription to the RAG with the best genre writing out there? As an added bonus, all of the writing contained within the pages of the magazine will never appear online. All that wonderful nerdery can only be found in the actual, physical magazine. So, it's time to head over to Fangoria.com and sign up for your annual subscription. And if you do so, make sure to enter in the promo code KINGCAST at checkout for 25% off your annual subscription. That's K-I-N-G-C-A-S-T at checkout. Now, on with the show. My name is Stephen King. The ice is gonna break! Bad love! Bad love! Well, sometimes that is better. Hello and welcome back to the KingCast on the Fangoria Podcast Network. My name's Scott Wampler. And I'm Eric Vespi. And we are your hosts. Our guest today came onto most of your radars in one of a series of hilarious originals for uh, College Humor, beginning back in 2010, or possibly through Shudder's 2020 horror comedy, Scare Me. This Friday, he's releasing an all-new horror comedy vision on the world, Werewolves Within, which you are absolutely going to fucking love Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the KingCast stage, Mr. Josh Rubin. Josh, how are you doing today? I'm just on top of the world. This is a bucket list uh, item for me, so thank you. I've come a long way from you doing inventory at Best Buy, so thanks for having me. (laughs) Uh, A lot of people want to be on a podcast at some point, so that's completely understandable. I do. Yeah. (laughs) Have Have you done this before? Oh, yeah. You know, it's funny you mentioned Scare Me. We, we really didn't have any PR. So anyone who reached out, uh, you know, I just took the Jim Cummings route and was like, yeah, sure. I'll talk to you. Like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Davy and Pickles podcast, uh, Michigan, Ohio. Like anyone, anyone who want to come out of the woodwork to come and talk, you know, like mom, mom and Mike talk movies. Anybody is happy to. So I'm no stranger to it. And then, you know, you do get burnt out, but there are the, there right. are the pinnacle ones and, and you, the King cast is, that's no joke. I've been a long time listener and long life fan. Well, that is, that is delightful to hear. And just on a personal note, I'm very happy to have you today because I love your fucking movie. It is mm-hmm. so good. And also just from a, you know, the guest host dynamic perspective, uh, such a relief that that we love this movie. You you love the movie, <laughs> right, Eric? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I was very into it as somebody who like in the last few years, especially obviously pre pandemic, uh, I would get together with friends when I'd go to L.A. and we would always be in these giant groups and we'd play mafia together mm-hmm. or or werewolf together. And, you know, which are these giant like suss out the uh, uh <laughs> the wrongdoers in the group and and uh as somebody who has like very much missed that experience during the covid times it was uh, super delightful to see that touched upon in this film there, there's a 
there's a sequence which uh, I won't spoil anything in this movie, but there is a sequence where it is just a whole bunch of people sitting down accusing each other of being werewolves. And it just gave me flashbacks instantly to, you know, just sitting in yeah. like uh, at a square couch with a bunch of friends, you know, just I'm not mafia, you're mafia. It's no money fun, you know. We're able to bring it to life with like some of the uh wonderful actors who I grew up like uh well not all of them grew up grew up loving. I mean it was I had a I was like um you know one day on set years old when I realized Wayne Duval was a chameleon of an actor uh KKK member in uh uh Oh Brother Where Art Thou but just to just to kind of be amongst that crew and then to watch them each like bring their own color to that scene just the whole thing was just yeah, it was it was bonkers, and we wrapped uh, March 9th, and on Friday the thirteenth was oh lockdown. God. So made oh it. Oh my god, <laughs> that's fucking incredible! Like you hear so many horror stories of people having to pause mid shoot or having mm-hmm. to pause entirely and then come back later and. Man, you got in right under the wire. Oh, yeah. It's no joke. Actually, my buddy, Natalie Morales, she was actually in prep for Plan B, which just mm-hmm. came out. Um, and, just watched uh, that last night. Yeah, it's so it's, it's so good. She, I actually I make a little cameo in it, and she she had sort of mentioned it, and then it was like months delayed, only for her to then like go back in, shoot it in Syracuse. They had zero issues, but they wore these, you know, basically duck bill shaped um, like crazy N95s or like N99s, mm-hmm. and um, uh, it was cool to watch that thing go down and with like zero problem. But uh, a lot of people got hit. She actually got lucky, you know, delayed as they were, and I'm thrilled it came out you know on the other side of it when theaters back when movies are back yeah one of the things yes. i really loved about this movie and i i've already told you this josh but and and i think i mentioned this to eric too but it's not a th- like sam sam richardson who we love is is the star of the film um but really it's like uh an ensemble cast every single person in it is operating at the top of their game whether or not i knew who they were before i watched it you know and they're rattling off like super sharp dialogue just through the <laughs> whole thing, like just rapid fire. Like I, I, I want to see it again because I'm certain I missed like multiple jokes because <laughs> I was laughing. But that that ratatat nature of the performances and the sharpness of the comedy and just how well edited it was reminded me of Clue in the best way. I grew up watching Clue on HBO, like just endlessly fucking on a loop because it was on every afternoon at like 2 p.m. I think mm-hmm. they, they were contracted to do that every afternoon. But in telling you about that, you told me that you are also going for a little bit of arachnophobia. Can you talk about that a little bit more? Yeah. Mishnah Wolf's script um, was uh, it was so Fargo and so kind of jaws-esque to a degree and that kind of you really did felt that sort of cohen's irreverence um mm-hmm. you know fly off the page but where i th- where i think i went you know because i'm a hired gun i went i pitched on this movie after a couple producers came in and um saw a test screening a scare me we're like oh he could this this kid could handle a uh could handle a feature, you know, like a big boy feature. And um, arachnophobia was one of the me- the um, inspos I sort of called out in, in the pitch meeting where I was essentially, you know, walking them through my my director's deck and vision. And I think that's where a couple of producers were like, whoa, no one's mentioned that one in some time. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, whereas like you know, <laughs> Jaws and Fargo, 
you know, are, are what instantly sort of leaps off the page um, for a world like this. But arachnophobia is one of the, I think, one of the earlier horror comedies, like shit hits the fan horror comedies that had that Spielbergian flair, obviously, that Frank Marshall Mm-hmm. Um, you know, directed picture, obviously, but uh, that just really affected me. Like, you know, you, you, the, the terrifying circumstances of, you know, Jeff Daniels backing away from a gigantic arachnid, but like arguing with himself about, himself about what Bordeaux to throw at it. it was just <laughs> so, right. and, and like John Goodman, like, I remember acting out John Goodman's like Delbert or Dilbert character, um, you know, with, with the, the garden hose, like it had an effect on me when I was a, when I was a kid. So anyway, it was, it was just one of those kind of, um, artisan movie memories that just sort of went, Oh my gosh, I can tap into this is just kind of a tonal reference where it actually worked and when it worked before, mm-hmm. but it sort of came out in, in, um, in a clue like sort of fashion when you get everybody in, in a, in a room and, and everyone is just, you know, good vibes all around and just kind of Sam being at the, the helm of that, um, you know, right. who's a comedic superhero. It just, uh, yeah, it, it, it really, it really worked. Thank, thank goodness. It's rarefied air, that kind of, uh, tone that you hit. You mentioned like mm-hmm. arachnophobia is a perfect example. Mm-hmm. Tremors mm-hmm. fits in there. Uh, you know, maybe like Joe Dante, but like not gremlins really era Joe Dante, but like, I don't know, matinee. I'm thinking for some reason, like there, there's just this weird yeah. feeling where everybody's a character. Every, everybody's a recognizable face, you know, and, in yours, you're just like, oh yeah, that's uh, you know, if even if you don't know Milana's you know name, you're, you know, from mm-hmm. other stuff, you go, oh, I, I I know her face. She's the AT and T girl, or mm-hmm. you know, it's like mm-hmm. uh, you know, oh, there's um, you know, Guillermo from What We Do in the Shadows. Like, you know, I love that everybody, yeah. you know, is somebody you kind of recognize in a character actory way, and every character is super over the top, but also just <laughs> lovely to watch. Like it's just one of those movies where everybody's just exuding like likability, right? Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. there's, and yeah. which is kind of crucial for a movie where you're you you know some you think somebody's a werewolf, you know, in here, and somebody's a monster killing people, and but you you even you even like the assholes in the movie, you know. I, I don't know. It's it's a very fine yeah. line to walk, and I think you do it very well. I think I, it's, I think people were ready for a fun movie. You know, we were talking about that before. Right. I think you know, yeah. as much as as much as we like the uh, you know the cold open of Midsummer, you know, um, it's, uh, <laughs> I think people want a lot of, like ratatat dialogue and uh, some lens flare. You know, so hopefully people yeah, totally. get some out of it. And just to build up like a little bit of what Eric was saying, the ability to juggle an ensemble cast like that and to make part of the joke that. All these people on the surface, well, not all of them, but most of them on the surface seem, <laughs> you know, more or less likable, if not kind of eccentric. Uh, but with like this, you know, uh, most of them also have like an underbelly underneath that plays into the mystery of the movie. This is this has convinced me that you are the guy to direct the dark comedy needful things that I've been pitching on this show endlessly since Ooh. we fucking started it. Wow. Um, yeah, I, I don't have anything to add to that, but I think that you would just knock that shit out of the park. And and that's the the exact tone of Werewolves Within is the exact tone of the Needful Things movie that I'm imagining. And that's Can how I tell it- you something totally criminal. I've all, I remember everything about the trailer. I remember <laughs> seeing the trailer in the uh, uh, in the theater in the in the God early 90s. I remember the cardboard cutouts. Um, Ed Harris, Max von Sydow. I don't, I've never read the book. I've never seen the movie. Hmm. That is well, like a property I know nothing about. I, I implore you to read the book 
And to also read it from, and this is the thing that a lot of people miss out on. It was written to be a dark comedy. Most people approach it as just a straight up horror novel. If you do it from that perspective, it still works, but not as well. You know, if you understand, if you understand that this was supposed to be like sort of a, a parody of small town America and these uh, Americana values, you know, all sort of being undermined by the personal sins of the people living in Castle Rock. Yeah. You know, it is it has the potential to be fucking hysterical. Oh, fun. Yeah. So I would joke. No joke inspired. Thank you. Yes, I would (laughs) really encourage that. And I hope that goes somewhere. But if you do end up doing it by some miracle. Uh, we're going to need a set visit. Well, well, we'll I did, I, yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's a no brainer. I did get really excited because because I, I thought you were going to say Dark Man, which is like what I really want to do is revisit mm-hmm. Dark Man, you know. But uh, when you said dark comedy, uh, needful things, I was like, well, they haven't done nearly enough Stephen King comedy anything. And boy, would that, uh, you know, I feel like like it sort of uh, inadvertently ends up in that direction. Like, I, I don't imagine Sleepwalkers was, you know, meant to be. Um, <laughs> But 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 you know right. it was a warm blanket watch for me as a kid. Uh, I don't know what that says about me personally, but um, yeah, I I think I think the world's the world's ready for it. It's like if you had Castle Rock and eleven twenty two sixty three, could we have something that goes a little bit more kind of comedy world vibe? I'm okay with that brand. I'll take that. You know, small town weirdo. <laughs> you know, Co- Cohen's brother with a supernatural element thing. Any day, damn it. Yep. I'll it. resurrect a king property if you twist <laughs> my arm. That's yeah. fine. I can do <gasps> that. Rent paid? Thanks, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we should talk about your Stephen King origin story. When did you know? When did King first uh, pop up on your radar and become a dude you were aware of? I rack my brain. I think I wish there was a more interesting answer than this. That it was like a you know uh, I saw the cover. You know, like. Karen, um, and, uh, you know, had to, had to pull it off of my, you know, aunt and uncle's, uh, shelf because, you know, the Christine, um, uh, car was so alluring, um, or, uh, you know, the, the Salem's lot, um, mm-hmm. vampire aesthetic hint, uh, cycle of the moon, you know, uh, graphic really pulled me in. It was none of that. I think it was because TV was what was accessible to me. And I'm, I'm 37. When I was a kid, the stuff that was on TV, or at least the stuff, my sister, my older sister, who was, I think, largely responsible for my intro to horror, we used to watch Freddie and Jason, like they were, you know, cartoons. I mean, Freddie basically was a cartoon character. Mm-hmm. I think it was Stephen King's cat's eye, Rich Somer's favorite movie. Um, <laughs> I think, uh, I'm going to make a lot of polls because um, I'm a big fan of the show. But I think I think Stephen King's Cat's Eye was a big one for me. And I remember I remember his name. I remember loving the little girl in it because, I, you know, Drew Barrymore, also a.k.a. because of E.T. And mm-hmm. um, I was at that very impressionable age where I thought there was something either under my bed or living in the wall. And that troll terrified me. Uh, I, and I watch every story, like, you know, even though I didn't understand the, you know, the mob dare of it all, you know, getting uh, Robert, what's his name out or Hayes on the, on the ledge, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. uh, the, the troll really stuck with me and really fucked with me. And I think, um, beyond that, it was like it, before I read it, I think it was devouring, uh, that film, then like all of the kind of kitschy stuff, creep show, uh, tales from the dark side, the movie, 
Um, and, uh, I guess I'd seen him as an actor, Stephen King, before I knew him as, <laughs> as an author, you know, as the farmer, um, getting mm-hmm. the moss kind of grown all over. Yeah. Him. Jordy so Merrill. Definitely filmed. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Well, what's this? Um, it was <laughs> meteor Dylan, shit. Hailed me. Yeah. Meteor shit. Kate Blanchett, <laughs> um, played me, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I think, I think it was that. And then I want to say one of the first things I picked up and actually read, this could be way off was like years later. Uh, it's my earliest memory. And it was like Cujo and I couldn't get through it. Like I stopped around the the part when he was talking about cereal, making people like spit up blood mm-hmm. from the inside or something like the dye. Right. And I was like, I'm good. But um, <laughs> I read very, very backwards. Like I slammed through like eleven twenty two sixty three and like all of his short story books. I downloaded different uh, – it was a different seasons on my, mm-hmm. you know, my first iPhone. Like it was uh, – I was a late Stephen King bloomer, uh, bloom reader, but uh, very early VHS and Stephen King movie uh, devour watcher. Totally. Totally. It's inter- it's very interesting because I'm starting to form a theory after talking with a lot of people that I think one of the reasons why Stephen King has such longevity, it's multifaceted, mainly because he, his work is so cinematic that people just want to <laughs> buy it and put it on the big screen. You know, they want to option it and adapt it. So there's always something Stephen King in the pop culture that's not just written. But I think that on a deeper level, every time there's a King Renaissance or or something, it is almost always kind of circul- circulating around the fact that the younger generation sees themselves in it because he writes children so well, right? So it is a big example. Stand by Me is a big example. So not only you know they they can connect on the page those who read and those who don't read are connecting via the movies and they see themselves in those, those kind of characters. And then they dive in from there. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm working on this, this theory. I, I will be publishing this paper and all the scientific review <laughs> magazines, yes. periodicals even. So, you know, it's good. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Gazettes. I think silver, <clears throat> silver bullet might, might even be an earlier film that really legitimately fucked me up. I think cause it, cause it actually mm-hmm. felt like what would really happen? Right. What would really happen if this, you know, the shit hit the fan in your town and you were a kid who had to take this thing on? Like uh, there's something so dreadful about the way that the two kids and, you know, dr- drunkle uh, Busey are like in the house and, um, you know, take on this terrible thing. It just, it, it felt very, very real. Like around the, the, you know, the time I was watching and getting terrified by Lost Boys as a kid, I think, I think the right. movies really made, made an impact, you know, it's a testament sure. to the, to the stories, you know? Uh, you may be biased because you just made a movie called Werewolves Within, but when you were a kid, did you have a preference between vampires and werewolves? That's a great question because my cousin and I used to were obsessed with both and actually made up a story about Wolfiela, the werewolf <laughs> Dracula that that like you lived made a in the fusion field. restaurant, out of <laughs> 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 yeah, the volcano of supernatural creatures. I um yeah, <laughs> we we were so obsessed with both. Like at my my technically on my mom's side, my family is Transylvanian, and I did a I did a book mm. report on the name Klein which apparently has something to do with barons of Transylvania. So there was a while where I was like either convinced I was a vampire or um, <laughs> tried to convince my girlfriend in high school that I was because I just, you know, I love Patch Adams and no one talked to me. 
Um, and um, I was like, like I wore rings like Robin Williams and was like, I have canines because I'm anyway, I was a weird kid, but werewolves, the, 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 the movies always freaked me. I think silver bullet had, had a big, big thing to do with that. So I would say probably skewing more, more vampires, but uh, werewolves were the stuff when I really thought about it, especially even watching stuff like monster squad when you felt that mm. guy's pain, like what was going on inside. And that was an integral movie for me. It, that stuff just like freaked me out in a way, even as a kid who like devoured Freddy Krueger movies, I didn't even want to like go there and think about like too much about the vampires were like, Oh, it's cool. You fly around, you know, kiss girls. I wonder if there's, I, I prefer, I prefer werewolves. I think to vampires, I'm not a big vampire guy, mm-hmm. but I do wonder if any of that has to do with, I don't know. I don't know if this tracks. I don't know if I want to say it out loud. So <laughs> well, it gotta go. Well, well, I'll tell you. Well, now I'm thinking about Monster Squad, right? Yeah, baby. So the I think I saw Monster Squad before I saw either of the original Universal Monsters movies. Yeah, like I saw same. that one in the theater with my mom when I was a kid, right? So the portrayal of Dracula is sort of this aristocratic lord. He's wearing a tux with the fucking red vest and mm-hmm. you know all his shit. Wolfman's just a guy. You know, yeah. And and I wonder if that because I've always been drawn to more to characters that are more, you know, the the lower they are on the social rung, the Mm -hmm. more I feel like they're fringe characters and therefore I can identify them with, Mm -hmm. like or identify with them. Like Creature from the Black Lagoon is hands down my favorite of the Universal Monsters. And I know technically it's not a Universal Monsters because of this, that and the other thing. But whatever the fuck. I'm considering it a uni- universal <laughs> it's in, it's monster. It's in the box set. It counts. Yeah, it, exactly. The creature was just a lagoon man, mm-hmm. you know, sort of sort of out there <laughs> trying to. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, a lagoon man. <laughs> We're wolves within. And he's he's just trying to make his way in the world. Maybe he's a little bit horny because he's a little bit lonely. Absolutely. His lady fucking shows up. He like falls in love, you know, like mm-hmm. who can't who can't relate to that? The Wolfman, you know, in the at least the portrayal in Monster Squad was just like a guy, you know, but mm-hmm. vampires, I tend to think of whether this is fair or not, because we've seen all kinds of vampires as more refined and like an upper crust sort of thing that's going on. What you about know? you, Eric? Are you in the same you in the same boat? I'm I've always liked werewolves more just because they're more fun. They're more visceral. I like the big monster versus the slow seduction of of the vampire. You know, the the kind of romantic, gothic, romantic sexuality (laughs) of it didn't ring as uh, interesting to me when I was nine years old for some reason. Um, But uh, but even like growing up now, I think, uh, you know, I mean, Dracula is probably my least favorite of of the classics. Like I I love Frankenstein. Mm. I love Wolfman. And, you know, I love the Invisible Man even, you know, more than that, because those are all more interesting characters to me. Dracula. It's interesting more on a subtextual level than it is on a you know surface level, and I, I think that what I get out of uh, you know the werewolves or the you know uh, uh, Invisible Man or you know because it's a, a guy that's driven insane, and with Frankenstein, it's a monster who didn't ask to be a monster, and you know, and is is labeled that way, you know, and it's like mm-hmm. he, he is who he is. Like all that is, they have the text and the subtext for me, and I've al- I've always liked those those characters more. But I there is a question on like what makes a better movie because like one of my all time favorite movies of the last twenty years is um, Let the Right One In. You know, Oof, I don't know if, so if there's yes. if there's 
if I can say that in the last 20 years, there's been a werewolf movie that has reached anywhere close to, to that. Mm-hmm. You know, when you start listing mm-hmm. off, you know, good vampire stuff, we listed, you know, uh, mm-hmm. just in, you know, my my movie going years, you know, we have Lost Boys, we have, uh, you know, Interview with the Vampire even, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. the, the Blades. It's like there, there's so many... When werewolves get like goofy, you know, it's either you hit that, you know, that perfect nail, which you do on, on yours, but it's very rare that, that is that most times it's, it's fucking played for like underworld, you know, kind of yeah. things. And they're just big CGI gun. monstrosities. Give them yeah, a I gift. thought, or, or I, cursed, you know, I, or, cur- I actually, or cursed. That's right. <laughs> cursed. I gave, uh, I gave Matt Wise, our cinematographer, um, I said, I want this film to photograph like Bad Moon. Because as mm. as, tr- as 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 um as tr- troublesome or problematic and to some degree as that movie is, I mean, it, you know, it's right. like Morgan Creek. It opens with tits. Um, it's fine. Um, but uh, uh, and then you know you blow blow the werewolf's head off with a shotgun. Um, but uh-huh. <clears throat> the the effects are cool. It photographs beautifully, and it had kind of a fun sort of a contained psychological sort of vibe to it. It worked to a degree, and the the effects were good. But yeah, it's. It's true. Vampires kind of get all get all the good um, get all the good shit, and I feel like they've they've attempted to do it. Like there've been good like European. Um, oh God, what's that movie with the the, the name Beast is in it? The, I want to say it's like it's about a girl who can who who who's like bitten by a werewolf in like the Netherlands or something. And it's and I, I it was it was a bit slow moving. It was it had a name like Beast Must Die, but anyway. Um, yeah, it, not it the does, beast must die, which is a movie I do love, by the way. I even know. though, <laughs> it, 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 you know, it's the most, it's also the closest comparable to your movie because both are like Agatha Christie movies yeah, about I know. who's yeah, the werewolf. Keeps going up. Yeah, um, I wonder but, if Lee Winnell will do it. You know, I wonder if he, him and Gosling will maybe cra- maybe well, crack the code. Well, here's the thing: is is every it seems like every time uh, the werewolves are broached in a kind of a high class way, like, or a high upper tier. I'm thinking specifically of Wolf with Jack Nicholson. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, baby. which if they had actually turned Jack Nicholson into a legit monster instead of just a fucking dog at yeah. the end of, of that movie, then like that would have been all timers. Like it's, it's almost like when you're yeah. trying to take a, a real deal, like, you know, serious, we're going to, you know, delve into this, approach to these kinds of movies then they turn them into dogs wolfen's the same way uh and, but in the beast must die is the same thing they just like staple i guess they don't staple that that's uh, more like uh scrooge in the mouse the mice <laughs> with the antlers don't but they like dare. they, they yeah. yeah they they glue you know <laughs> they like some some uh extra fur on the dogs and you know they that that's the werewolf when you see the werewolf um yeah i don't know i don't know what it is it's like you know you think that the benicio del toro wolfman thing would have been a home run and that wasn't, you know, he's great for the character. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, what a shot they had. Yeah. And they, yeah. and they just kicked Rick Baker to the curb and just went CGI'd everything. It's like, there's so, I don't know. It's Always like, it just feels choice. like the werewolves. Always evolved. a good choice. For a Wrong. Uh, yeah. So it's like, it just feels like werewolves always tend to miss like, uh, you know, we, of course there's the big examples, American werewolf in London and the howling. And, you know, mm-hmm. there, there are classics in the genre, but, I don't know why, at least in recent times, werewolves have just been harder to to tackle. I mean, it's it's a hard thing. That's a goofy thing. You know, you, you're putting someone in a big, sometimes in a big rubber suit. Um, right. And, uh, you know, it's it, it can look like a big dog. Like I'm, I'm sort of working my way through ginger snaps right now. Right. And, and that was a different era. 
Um, and I love, I love the sort of different take on it and stuff and the slow yeah, transformation and all that sort of thing. The tonally it's cool, but ultimately you're working, to, you're working towards, uh, you know, a big animatronic head, but you know, big claws. Uh-huh. And I think, um, I think that's Catherine something Isabel that, looking know, like a, a cat cat woman werewolf. Yeah. 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 And you know, it's actually what I liked about Wolf when Wolf came out. I liked that he hit the thing with the car and it hit him. And then it's like, you know, it, for, for the time when Jack Nicholson was sort of you know scarier in the movie as ridiculous as the you know the movie was in certain mm-hmm. you know to a certain degree like the showdown in the horse stall like i remember being freaked right. out by that as a kid but yeah he's like oh he's he's a golden retriever you know he's a, he's a malamute you know whatever right. um, uh, yeah yeah no, I, the best uh, part of that movie is in that that like halfway transformation he does where he's like yeah jack with with the eye the contact lenses in and and you know he looks like a you know the, a little bit more like halfway he's in the halfway step where if he was lon chaney it'd be like yeah. halfway through through the dissolves into the wolf man right oh yeah it's like oh, yeah it's like if they man. just kind of continued down that track that would have been so super rad i'm i i hate to admit it i haven't seen wolf no no oh. i haven't wow sexy I, one i, I, I just Nichols. never got a man <laughs> Well, yes, it, it it looks. I mean, for everything I've seen of it, sort of seems, and you know, up to and including the fact that Jack Nicholson's in it, uh, would sort of imply a certain level of horniness. Well, but if I, you love yes. postcards from the edge, then you're going <laughs> to just devour. Yeah, I'm going to add this to my to do list. I've been it's it's yep. overdue, and after Werewolves Within, I'm sort of like I'm kind of fiending for a little bit of right. wolf action, and we just watched I- the fucking uh ginger snaps not too long ago so i do have um, a segue from this into the topic if you want want me to yeah please to do it. we get, we gotta get there eventually i, I <laughs> yeah. think we're i think we're dancing around it at this point uh so something that you mentioned about needful things is you remember the trailer i remember the trailer to needful things like the back of my hand it's the same thing it was the tv spot was everywhere you know mm-hmm. it's uh jt walsh on the phone you know saying i just killed my wife is that wrong <laughs> you know and max von yeah. you know is, is just like no there's nothing wrong with that you know it's like there's like i remember that very vividly and with wolf there the trailers always burn into my mind because there's a scene where he's at a urinal next to James Spader, who's like his mm-hmm. big competition in the movie. And he pisses on him during the scene. And that was like the, the big line from the trailer is he just like goes, I'm just marking my territory. I'm just marking my territory. Yeah. And the, the movie that we are here, the movie and book we are here to discuss uh, thinner also has one of those trailers that when you, if you grew up in a certain era, you said you're 37, I turned 40 this year. So we're in the kind mm-hmm. of, same window and we must have seen the same thing where the thinner trailer was everywhere for mm-hmm. like three months. You couldn't go see a movie without seeing the, the old Romani gentleman, you know, go thin air, you know, on it. you <laughs> couldn't turn on the TV without thinner. seeing that. And like, and thinner was also advertising comic books. I remember very like the back page of comics in the early nineties mm, uh, in the mid nineties. was ad. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was like that and fire in the sky. I remember was always mm. advertised on the back page of of the of like Marvel books and yeah. And but thinner was just everywhere. Like I don't well. I don't know why. I, I get. I guess the reason is because this is coming off of um of uh, no. I in, actually in the I, stand right. I, I did some research on this, and it yeah. turns out that the reason that thinner was advertised so much on the back of comic books mm. is that. They did some studies. They brought in a number. They brought in two thousand people and broke them up into groups of forty. I don't know how many, however many groups that is. I would imagine 50, 
something like that, maybe 5,000. It they did this at MIT. It took no. It took uh, eight months, and it cost it cost the academy, um, or excuse me, the university, uh, upwards of forty million dollars to do this. And what they discovered was that comic book readers love John Robert Burke. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's the punchline. That's, <laughs> that's the punchline. That's it. That's what I was building to. <laughs> I was gonna say though, but the uh, or uh, Robert you know, John that, that's forty million dollars wasted. RJB, come on, man! Uh, <laughs> Robocop threes, Robert John B. RJB, the notorious. <laughs> but so, yes, uh, Josh has has, has brought th- yes he he has brought thinner to talk to us about today. Uh, frequent listeners of the show will know that we did a thinner episode last year, and we're very. Um, grumpy about it. Uh, very, very, <laughs> very negative. Uh, in fact, it took me multiple times to get through the movie um, because I, <laughs> I found it. I, I found it so off-putting in in every conceivable way. Um, despite the fact that I, well, I loved it when I saw it when I was a teenager. You know, I thought it was like, ah, oh, this is cool. So when we lined up that episode, I was like, you know what? I haven't seen this in 20 years. This will be fun to revisit. Then I watched it and I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. Like every frame of this is upsetting me (laughs) one way or another. (laughs) When uh, I got into a conversation with Josh not too long ago when we were were talking about various titles he could do. And he mentioned Thinner and and liking Thinner. I love the idea of him coming coming on as a guest to sort of maybe not do a full-throated defense of Thinner, but certainly a more positive take on it than we had previously on the show. You know, we're open to all sorts of opinions here. So uh, not to throw the spotlight right at you, Josh, and put you on the, well, on the spot, but go. Why do you like this so much? <laughs> well, first of all, can you tell me, I'm ashamed to say I don't, I don't know who, um, you know, you said, hey, it might, we had an, uh, was a antagonistic take on the film or someone who wasn't such a mm-hmm. fan, us yeah. all shitting on it. And now someone who might defend it, me, mm-hmm. who was, so can I ask who the guest was? Yeah, it was sure. Dave Schilling. Yeah. Our, Dave our buddy Schilling. Dave Schilling. Yes. Okay. So Dave, Dave shit on it. Well, I'll say again, you know, 1996, I'm 13, 14 years old. Uh, I, I didn't have many buddies um, a, a friendless child, um, but I loved going to the movie theater and I, and I'd always pick out, you know, two films, schlockier, the cover, the better, you know, whatever monkey shines and Robocop three. Hey, Robert John Burke, um, whatever the combination was one time it was Howard, the duck and Halloween five great night thinner was one of those VHS pulls. I loved the, I loved the look of it. I thought that trailer was interesting, you know, love me some Michael Constantine character work. Um, little did <laughs> I know how much we love him as the dad in my big fat Greek wedding. And maybe it was a bit appropriating for him to be playing this character. I, I guess you could say it was a warm blanket watch for me. Now I think <laughs> for the, for really obscure reference sake, I feel like it's appropriate for the show. Robert John Burke was doing a show. I think, I think it was around the same time called the Sentinel. Do you guys mm. remember this? Where he was like a bodyguard or something. I don't remember if it was exactly the same time, but I do remember like thinking Robert John Burke as an actor was like kind of cool. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll, I'll put my money down. Robert John Burke, who's a thirteen year, fourteen year old Robert John Burke fan. 
Love yeah. me. Some I, I like the Sentinel a lot, but what I really wanted to is see him in the most disgusting fat suit that's ever been photographed on film. <laughs> yeah, and hey, look, I as someone who uh, who did who's worn so many prosthetics, including fat suits, probably to an inappropriate, inelegant degree. Um, did series <laughs> where I played, you know, basically a parody of you know Mama June from. Uh, from toddlers and tiaras, um, uh, you know it's it's why I'll be canceled in two weeks. Um, but you know, I, I did think like back then, and the you know, and the, the dawn of the Mrs. Doubtfire of it all. I loved that side of it too. So as a kid, it was like, ooh, immersive makeup, and I think that like actually sort of might have been my gateway to loving. You know, I was like one of the few kids who like wanted to have a plaster mold of my face done someday, mm-hmm. whereas some people would do it and absolutely have a, you know, shit attack, claustrophobia meltdown. Right. Um, I thought that was intriguing. <laughs> so yeah. there was something about the like the makeup effects and the transition and the movie magic of it all. And also how they were like kind of advertising like it was a comedy, like you had the the <laughs> the bump 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 tuba like here's the big guy yeah, walking like, down the street and constant every line is billy you shouldn't be eating like that billy you're such a fat boy. it was just everything was just you know back then that was that was an appropriate uh sort of joke i just watched flight of the navigator recently so i'm doing a podcast about movies that scarred me and there was, you know, just a flat out uh, like making fun of an overweight gentleman joke. And this is this is the era we're coming out of. So anyway, right. I think I like that that um, it was hitting all sides of my, you know, kid uh, lizard brain, you know, comedy, movie, magic, prosthetic work, whatever. But also Stephen King. I knew, OK, ooh, here's here's the spooky guy. But watching Joe Montaigne as a hired hitman, you know, shooting up a uh, Romani camp with a uh, AK-47 or whatever it was, I thought, okay, well, it it hits my action movie, Loving Brain, as well. You can pair this with Broken Arrow. Um, so uh, <laughs> what can I say? It you just, think John it, Woo? You think Tom Holland? I get it. <laughs> you think Tom And by the way, I was today years old and I realized Tom Holland directed the fucking movie. Fright Nights, Tom Holland? I know yes. he's, you know. Having a rough go of it, but uh, also good for him. I watched dinner, so anyway, I, I, it, it has it has something for everyone. You got you got guns, movie magic, movie makeup, uh, Robert John Burke, comedy tuba, <laughs> and I think at one point, there, like he knocks on a guy's door who was like cursed not to be thinner, but cursed to turn into a lizard. Oh yeah, Do you remember this? Like a chameleon yeah, skin I don't condition. Know. Oh yeah, yeah, skin condition. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like oh, you That's get a little judge, bit. right? The judge yeah. gets that that shit. That's gross yeah. too. <laughs> and also, just on the, on the Tom on the Tom Holland note, I'll blow your mind even a little further. Did you know he directed the TV miniseries for the Langoliers? No. Yes. Wow. Not yes. surprised. Wow. Yeah. That's good. Good. For, now that was like the one that's like the most. Uh, I can't remember who you guys talked to about that one, and it was was it Lee Winnell? It was no. Noah. It no, was Noah, Noah Sagan. Oh, it, yeah. it was Noah, right? But that wasn't the one where uh, uh, where the kid had a picture where he got kissed. No, by, that's uh, the Tommy Knockers, and the I Tommy I, Knockers, not the Langley. Yeah, a kiss from Jimmy. Uh, we we have <laughs> we have, yeah. we have mixed up those. Or when I say we, I mean specifically me because it's not <laughs> Eric's doing. But I have repeated it to the point where we were scheduling those two shows at the same time, and David Ferrier was like. <clears throat> 
Uh, That's right. I want to talk. I want to take the Tommy Nokus. And I'm like, you know, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, 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 I got it. And I'm, I was like, and I started making like Bronson Pinchot references to him. And he was like laughing. And then I realized like okay. the next day, I'm like, uh, that's the wrong movie. Like, what did he think I was talking about? Like, he must have thought I was some fucking lunatic that was just randomly making Balky jokes in response to his fucking pick. Yeah, I, I mix anyway, those two up a it? lot. Well, they're, fun- they're funky, uh, funky names, C and Jesus. And well, anyway, good for Tom Holland. He got some grocery money. And, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but I was, I, I was, I was shocked. Cause I love, I love Fright Night. So I'm, I'm glad he's in the he's yes. been in the genre fam. Um, but, uh, but I, yeah, I, I think it was. I, I, I can't say. I think we're all on the same page. I'll sell us all out. We did not all revisit this film because I certainly opened it up this morning. and was like, I'm not paying three ninety nine to rent this thing um, again. Uh, and yet, and yet, your memory was of liking it. Yeah, well, I, I, you know, I remembered it. Just <laughs> my brain lit up. I got, I got a nine fifty on my SATs, guys. I, I, it's, it's not hard. To, it's not hard to, um, you know, get me going with, uh, you know, with a stretching a, a, a Stephen King story into a, a Robert John Burke um, uh, uh, film, a feature, if you will. Yeah. Well, so, one thing I do understand that you're a big fan of in this movie, as as you told me, I believe, is uh, Joe Montana as um, what's his name in this movie again? Oh, probably Richie like Janelli. Bit, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Wow. The hammer. I'm gonna take care of this for you. The hammer, Janelli, no less. That's right. That's right. I got to call the hammer and have him take care of this for me. Yeah. So, uh, can you expound uh, expand upon your your thoughts in terms of Joe Montana in this movie? Oh, sure. I think I think <laughs> this is good. I think Joe Montana added a legitimacy in 1996, which is. Which is saying something. I can't remember what That's it true. was. That's true. You know, it did. It added mm-hmm. like, a, oh, well, Joe Montana's in it. This is, but I think it was like they probably gave him three hundred and fifty thousand dollars. They were like, can you come do mm-hmm. three days and shoot up this camp? But I, I think that was what it is. It was like, oh, this is like a, it's a genre movie, but it's got a cross pollination with like a, you know, the the dude who wrote. Um, oh no, I'm about to confuse him with Joe Palminteri and say he wrote Bronx Tale. That's very bad. Um, mm. But you know, it's Joe Montana from uh, I don't know what I thought was legitimate in 1996. Joey Pants wrote a Bronx Tale. No, oh, no, Palminteri, no, no, Palminteri, not, not Pantaleone. Not ba- no, no. <laughs> see, no. See, and now I'm just being racist against Italians. No, but it's okay. You're gonna say the Italian community's coming after us now. You guys, you done oh, it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'll uh, I'll take that one on the nose. I, I Montana played the hammer. Come on, Palminteri. Um, didn't Palminteri write Bronx Tale? Or am I now confusing him with um, uh, who wore know. the Kangol hats in The Sopranos? Pantoliano. <laughs> that's yeah, Pantoliano. That's, that's, that's Joey Pants. But he he that's wore the, he Pants. had the wig in in The Sopranos. Ralphie. Yeah, right, that red ass wig. But yeah. Joe Palminteri, I think that's his name. Wrote a Bronx Tale. And he okay. is not the hammer. And that I do know is pretty much true. <laughs> Neither the yeah, hammer well, nor nor Ralphie. Nor but Ralphie. Something, but something else. Pantoliano Palminteri uh, uh, Montaigne. You have to say that six times fast. But <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, you, I mean, you're, you're right in that like Montaigne was like kind of the prestige element of this story because he's coming off of like Godfather three mm. searching for Bobby Fisher. like, he was doing like legit. There you go. 
stuff in, in, in this era. So, um, and I remember even clocking that as like, oh, that's the serious guy, you know, like this serious movie guy. And he's in this, this weird, ridiculous movie. Cause I saw this in the theater when it came out, this was like in the height of me diving deep into my Stephen King stuff. Like, cause it, it was like middle school and, and first couple of years of high school that I was just, you couldn't find me without a Stephen King book in my hand. And I was just going through everything that he'd ever written. So anything that was coming out at this time in the theaters that had Stephen King's name on it, this is where this wasn't a passive thing. Like, like, Oh, I just happened to watch stand by me when I was a kid or whatever. This is like me actively <laughs> seeking out, you yeah. know, Stephen King stuff. And, uh, I'm funnily like you and like Scott, like my memory of watching it at the time was like this. I, I remember it even feeling gross at the time that there was just something about the way they shot it that like mm. is disturbing and gets under your skin, but like not in an intentional way. You know, it's not, it's not like, um, you know, watching it looks ugly. We're going to make you were, we're is, yeah, I was going to say, but it's not like, you know, we're going to make another Ari Aster, uh, uh, reference in this way. episode but it's, yeah. it's not like watching you know hereditary where you're just like this is built to just like make you uncomfortable like it just was gross it's just gross looking the fat suit was gross the the, the film grain and the the lighting was just kind of off there was something about it that was like stretching out the um the jeff tamber to me more tales from the crypt episode to be an hour mm-hmm. and 45 minutes it was the, like yeah. i don't know yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I totally uh, get my BVDs. Yeah, it was like you're gonna stretch out like this pulp to be, you know, so long. But now I'm very curious though. So did did either of you read the thinner the the book the novel? Yeah. Yes, of course, for sure. And yeah. is it and is it like way more rad? Is it like pretty? How does it stack up? Well, it's, yeah. Go ahead. On paper, it's pretty, <laughs> on paper, it's pretty. It's pretty much the same. Uh, the same thing like uh-huh. uh i'm sure that there's there's uh differences when you get into the details of course of it's, course there is it's but hard, it's hard because usually you would say well there's a lot more nuance in the book but no there really isn't like <laughs> no, you know road before he uh, hit that guy in the road yeah yeah <laughs> well, well i mean just, in the book she's giving him a hand job versus a blow job and uh, as you can see right. that's that's way more you know uh, yeah, no, it's it's the same thing, more or yeah. less. The book's a more comfortable read, I will say, than than what revisiting the movie. I think it's aged better, but like it's still kind of a of a, of a hollow, cheapy. You know, feels like something that would have been like should have been a novella. And he goes, you know what? This is just the Bachman. I'm going to make this a Bachman story because this was the last thing that he'd written. Uh, as and the Bachman, element up, up to this point, you know, before his, like, his cover was blown, and and the hammer Janelli is the Bachman part of it and, and the corruption of the local police force and the judge mm. and all that shit that allows mm. Billy Halleck to get away with the crime is definitely, I don't know. That's, that's a, all of that strikes me as like a Bachman thing as like a sort of a but, gritty crime thriller, sure. you know, yeah, getting yeah, away just, with a crime. And now you got a hit or yeah, basically a hit man on, on hand named the hammer. No less. That's all very Bachman. The other mm. half of it is all King, the the yeah, shit it's, with it's the, very... the Romani curse and and what right, have you. Right. Well, th- not just the curse, but like the um, just some of what you were just talking about, like the small town corruption and stuff. I mean, this is you know we were just talking about needful things. It's it's a theme that he's revisited a lot. That's needful things. It's Salem's Lot. You know, there's eh, uh, under fair. the dome. It's like you know that uh, all mm. the, most of his books, even Dairy, you know, and and it is is a corrupt to its core small town that, you know, har- harbors, uh, 
monsters, you know, underneath essentially. But mm-hmm. yeah, there's just something that's kind of slight about thinner. Like I, I thought of that at the time when I read it and and when I revisited it um, for the Dave Schilling episode was the last time I, I read through the book again. And, uh, and it's an enjoyable read, but it's, you know, it, it's something kind of slight, but it does. It just doesn't. Well there's, the there's, does. there's something very funny. Like I'm picturing a thinner poster that says, there's something very slight about thinner. <laughs> All right. Attributed. Wait, wasn't the tagline like more fright, less filling? Uh, oh my God, I, was it? Sure. I think it was. I think it's like, I think well, it's I'm at looking least the at the trailer. poster right now and it says, let the curse fit the crime. Oh, baby. Wow. <laughs> We'd love to be at the, uh, the ad agency to see what, what ones fell on the floor. Also, like, the poster is ugly. On top of everything else in this movie that's like ugly as sin. Look, here's a, let oh, me that's tell King you. cast colors on the poster. I'll, I'll say that. Okay, but the main imagery, <laughs> the main imagery, I don't like that. And look, when I think of thinner, and I'm trying to tell you like how ugly it is, I'm not necessarily <laughs> zeroing in on the fiberglass fat suit that looks like it would take <laughs> a car to drive through, or mm-hmm. you know any of the effects that which are just upsetting to look at, and also everyone in this movie is somehow upsetting to look at, except for Carrie Wurrer. Where we're mm. uh, Carrie rural juror, but <laughs> murder dirter. Yeah. <laughs> like the aesthetic of the movie and the way it's shot, everything about it, I find off putting. But the main thing I think about every time I see thinner or just now when I think about it is there's a scene like right at the beginning when Halleck gets Janelli off of some fucking charge or another, they like retire to his boat. Right. And it's like a boat like (laughs) docked along a dock and it's supposed to be very extravagant. There's girls around. Billy Halleck is eating like crab legs or some shit very sloppily because, you know, of course, that's how they do it for a guy like Richie who would own a boat that is extravagant and is parked somewhere and just ready to take him wherever he wants to go. It would not be that small. It would not be like that dingy. (laughs) It looks like like. Like, my, like when I was a kid, my parents had a lake house, right? And w- when I tell people, I'm like, well, when I was a kid, uh, we had a lake house and uh, my dad had a, a motorboat and a sailboat. And that immediately conjures certain things to mind. But also that lake house was like a fucking dirt cheap A-frame up in the hills mm-hmm. in like Hillsboro fucking Texas. Mm-hmm. And the boats were 15 feet long maybe and all of them look like they were about to fall apart mm-hmm. and and when we parked along the dock it was like you know the wood was splintering there were people yeah. that hadn't worn shoes in 30 years just kind of flopping around in their leather ass feet you know drinking beers <laughs> at nine in the you morning got, like, inexplicably albino spiders like yes just ex- kind of a, exactly yeah. like that <laughs> it was like kind of dirty and sort of you know, there's there's sort of like a lake person thing, I think. You know, there's there's a kind of lake person that has like baseball glove soles on their feet. And, you know, they're they're they sort of gave up on like living in the in the the, the entirety of society somewhere along the line. So they're like, you know, uh, they're spitting out conspiracy theories from 30 years ago. And they're telling you how fucking Nixon was an alien or some shit. And also they're eating like a gas station sandwich and drinking a fucking uh, Pabst tall boy at nine in the morning or something while my dad's trying to unload the boat. Anyway, 
that's the sort of environment that Richie's boat is parked in. It's not a very nice, it's not a very nice boat uh, for one thing, you know, it's like whatever they could rent for the day that was at the local Marina. But then in the background, it's just like scrub brush, maybe like an industrial plant somewhere off in the distance. It's not like the intention. Holland's intention was to make it look like Jordan Belfort's like, look how wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And, and this is a perfect, (laughs) that very long winded story I just told is like a way of, of telling you, like it looks ugly. Like it doesn't look extravagant. It doesn't look like a man of means or, or money. It looks like this is some dirtbag low-level thug who got off in a small town and i don't know maybe that's the point i thought well i was gonna say i thought that you know maybe maybe there's a world where uh you know holland wanted to light it like a tide commercial meets pleasantville in the beginning but it was just like harsh light (laughs) is what it is like wide lenses to show that big old comical belly and then as the movie you know (laughs) as, as we get to the whatever midpoint of act two all the way to you know the end it's darkness and midnight colors and um you know uh sure, evil and sure. shadows and the like so maybe there was like a decision but then he was also like i'm gonna go get a gas station sandwich and let the production designer figure the rest of it out or whatever it is <laughs> um but uh you know stephen king the mm. director of fright night and all these sort of hey we got this the star of the sentinel and joe montana like let's you know put <laughs> our backs into it but but no you know, um, I, I you reminded me, on by the pay, way. I, well, go ahead, please. No, I was just going to I was just going to go into a diatribe about uh, how I remember the making of a uh, featurette somehow. I feel like maybe oh, HBO did a behind the scenes. Well, it, well, it's basically just remembering that Robert John Burke was like talking a lot about like, yeah, I had to do these scenes when I, you know, eat Cool Whip and chicken legs. But then like, you know, also keep the weight off because we're working towards this scene, you know, where I'm going to be a skeleton. I don't know. I just remember like devouring that because HBO's first look behind the scene. I doubt it was an HBO official featurette, although they did like I remember the memoirs of an invisible man one like it's, mm-hmm. you know, back of my hand. But uh, I remember like, I guess liking this movie so much. It was like, I got to find out how they movie magic the uh, transformation, <laughs> which is impressive. I mean, you know, there's no CGI. You can't you can't pull an Irishman. On Robert John Burke, you know, it's not it's not impressive just because it's not CGI. This man looks like a brick (laughs) mailbox. It looks like someone constructed a fucking like Disney costume around this man. (laughs) And if you had had to fight him, you'd be like, well, I got to punch through that suit of armor first. And there's probably me like eight levels of plaster of Paris Uh before I get to his beating heart. You know, it's it's <laughs> fucking. <laughs> what are you talking about? Impressive. No, oh, I, well, hey, I was thirteen. It was nineteen ninety six. Okay, okay su- fair. Summer in ninety six, Wampler. You know, I'm just like, wow, this RoboCop 3's uh, RJB is just killing it. I can't unrecognizable. You know, now the best thing I've seen since the Jamie Kennedy experiment. I have had no idea he'd walk into a store and <laughs> pretend he was a lawyer and ask us to come out to his boat. Yeah, <laughs> full. He was the original Borat. Robert John Burke was the original, <laughs> the original Sasha Baron Cohen. Mm, my fat, <laughs> uh, my king. What do you think of the ending? I I I think it has something. Did he shrivel into like a voodoo doll? I don't know if I can say voodoo doll, but no. did, did he shrivel into like a little a little ball, or he like gained his weight back? I can't remember. Holy what is Christ. the ending? 
He fucking <laughs> okay. So the romance he rides uh, off on a boat with the lizard judge. The romance, <laughs> yeah, they, they go off on adventures together. The creature together from the black. They meet the Tommy Knockers yeah. on the lizard judge. Yeah. <laughs> they take no. the Langoliers <laughs> plane to meet the Tommy Knockers. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what happens. Yeah. No, the Romani guy is like, all right, look, you know, uh, Billy and uh, Janelli come back to the uh, oh. the the Romani camp. They shoot it all up. And there, there's a sort of demand that he removes the curse. He's like, all right, all right. So he makes a, a pie and is like, well, OK, at this point, you know, and he mixes Billy's blood into it. And he says, look, whoever eats this pie next um, is going to get your curse. It will be lifted from you, but they're going to die. And Billy's like, right on. So he goes home and, you know, he's mad at his wife because, you know, he's pretty sure she's cheating on him. So gives her a piece of the pie, wakes up the next morning. She's the one that's shrunk down like a Freddy Krueger baby or something. When, yeah. When yeah. he wakes up in the morning. <laughs> a and dream then, master puppet. Yeah. 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 And, and yeah, like an like HR guy, Krueger baby, HR Geiger infants. <laughs> um, and then uh, yeah. then he but then he and he's like delighted about this, you know, but then he goes downstairs. His, his daughter's eating the pie. And then the fucking doctor who's clearly having an affair with the wife is there to fuck the wife and Billy hasn't left the house yet. And he's like, so we'll come on in and have some pie. So now like they're all going to die. That's how it ends. Oh, so it's like a heaven's gate kind of a thing. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> come have some pudding. Um, yeah. I can't believe that this movie you love so much that uh -huh. you went on at length in my DMS for upwards of three <laughs> weeks telling me that you love so much. You could not remember how this how this movie oh but but once you started to say the pie i was like oh golden child probably borrowed from that um yeah no i uh now i remember yes yeah, great it's a classic king ending why is it when i get excited i just <laughs> sound like i just sound like owen wilson like yeah no i wow, wow i remember <laughs> oh yeah blood pie oh wow everybody eat up wow yeah, join the yeah wow. <laughs> wow joe montagna he gave it a real weight huh um, yeah, no, uh, now I do. I just love that Freddy Krueger baby came up in this conversation. Yeah. Which is a very that. apt description. Cause I guess the wife started off thin, so she couldn't survive the night after eating right. it, or it's supposed to be fast acting, even though the daughter eats it and she's still Aww. around. I don't know. It's all very muddled, but like in, in the book, he, uh, the same stuff happens, except he, like the pie eating's accidental. With with his family, uh, and when he realizes it, like he fucking it end the book ends with him cutting himself a piece of the pie and eating uh, it and retaking the curse. But that's after he knows that he's doomed. Like the the one right. person on this earth he loves is his daughter. Like everybody else can can fuck off, and then he realizes he essentially killed his daughter. Um, the inference though in the movie is kind of one instead of him you know doing it selflessly to save his daughter which he realizes like just ate the pie and he you know or what what not um the inference isn't that he like okay i'm gonna uh kill you know kill myself i'm gonna go ahead and take this curse and save my daughter um but even though that is seems to be what the rule is here because he that's when the the asshole doctor that's shopping his wife comes in and he goes hey have some pie and and he's super happy and like uplifted about it and so you think that what he's doing is he's passing the curse you know to this asshole instead of his daughter yeah but again in the book that's not what what they say like i think they're you know because it's bachman so everything in in a bachman book is is going to be bleak and down and and uh and that's exactly what 
what happens there where it's like, a everybody real fucking the dies mist at the end. type ending but with food you know i mean they might as well <laughs> have been in the back seat of a car yeah just having <laughs> yeah. open up that tupperware and you know trying to get avoid get eaten by that creature somehow um, the like i'm i'm open to buying into the idea of a romani curse that mm-hmm. turns a judge into a lizard man and gives the other guy boils all over his body or whatever the fuck. And this guy into, you know, he, he can't stop losing weight. Like, I'm fine with mm-hmm. all of that. Like, I get the premise. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, let's go with it. But somehow the pie is like a step too far for me. Once you introduce a pie into it as sort of the deus ex machina of the whole fucking thing, <laughs> you know, I start getting I start getting itchy. And I'm like, <laughs> a pie? That's how we're resolving this? It's one of the other things about this whole entire story, and that includes the book that I'm just like you just can't do it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's very, a bridge too far. It's a it's a it's a grim fairy tale, you know. I think if Stephen were here, he'd be like, "Well, that was the intention," you know. I, I think he'd be like, you know, yeah, just like Snow White, but uh, Robert John Burt, you know. I think um, I think he would. I think I think it feels very classic to him. I imagine that's probably the case, but. <laughs> But but film is an unforgivingly literal medium. And what might work on the page, like once you once you're seeing it and a man is sitting there with a pie in front of him and this is like the pie of death, the the Mm. cursed pie of death. You're kind of like, for real? Like, what if it was a fruit salad? What if it was? A Would you have rather it was a fruit salad? I, I don't understand. No, why I don't. Th- I don't think. To, to no, I, I think puff. if it. I think if it was like a like a poison that he had to put in someone's drink, I think I'd be all right with that. Interesting. Gotta like, have, have the fucking Romani guy even make a pie at the at the thing? You know, you know how long it takes to make a pie. My wife mm. makes pies, and it's like a fucking elaborate <laughs> process. It takes hours. And they just it should take there. hours if you know this thing's going to kill you and your whole family. You know, yeah. it's like Troll Two, but you know, less porn. <laughs> and oh just, my uh, god! I know. Oh my god! He's a dentist. <laughs> um, yeah, it's. Uh... <laughs> well, at least the pie that they put in the movie is this like horror show, grotesque, like pulsating monstrosity. Yeah, thing yeah. That, that like drinks it the blood. I don't know that 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 part. I kind of like. I gotta uh, gotta say, I kind of like that part. I, I, I know like that, that there's a bridge either. too far for you, Scott, but I I kind I kind of like it. Well, it is, I'm it is gonna, gross and it's weird, but it's you know. I mean, if the movie. Yeah, you, you're kind of all in at the you know the moment the dude's stepping on the scale and eating you know like a chicken leg for breakfast or whatever it is, whipped cream on it. <laughs> he had one in the medicine cabinet and was just like, "Well, these oh. are my emergency drumsticks for the morning." Yeah. Oh boy. I mean, it's yeah, at but that also point you're all that's another thing. Protest. I mean, we're getting we're getting well, really we- granular here, but also the fact that the pie <laughs> looks shitty is also a problem for me. Like, it, it should at least be a good ass looking pie, dude. If you're just tuning in, I love this movie. You know, this if you're just tuning in, this is a, this is a comfort watch for me. I get to turn my brain I was gonna off say, and think Tom Holland did this, you know. I was going to say what we're what we're finding out here is this was a failed experiment. There's like <laughs> if you if you start um <laughs> if you start peeling back the layers on this at all, you know, it starts to fall apart right in your hands. But mm-hmm. I, I, but I do appreciate that you have a, a a soft spot in your heart for it, Josh. It's why I wouldn't dare rent uh, this film for three ninety nine because I wouldn't want to corrupt my memory 
Um, oh, your memory would certainly be corrupted. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for I, that I can't Scott imagine. Man. I can't. Yeah, I can't imagine. I mean, I even, although I do recommend you like pop into YouTube and see if the shower scene is uh, is on there just so you can see just oh. just how god awful that uh, that fat suit is when <laughs> they take because it doesn't move like Scott's not wrong when he says it's it's a uh, suit of armor. It, it would be like, you know how it was kind of revolutionary in, in the, the Nutty Professor movies whenever the, you know, the, the Nutty Professor's like man boobs are jiggling and stuff and it looked yeah, like real gold fat. member, that, that, you know, that 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 was uh, no, like fat bastard looks so much more realistic than what's yeah, in. Yeah, oh, for what's sure. in this. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. you know, with and, and then I'm saying that and, you know, looking back at Fat Bastard now going, that looks like something you'd get out of uh, the Spirit Halloween store now. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's just way, it's just you know? a carapace. Yeah. The, that fat suit. And it's it showed off in in uh, in that shower scene. Yeah. But that's he's like, wearing a mattress. He's wearing a skin covered. Ma- yeah. Colored that's, mattress. That's what's so wild about this shit, though, is like if you're going to make this movie, you know, that's going to be your central effect. Right. There's going to have to be entire month-long conversations with whoever your Meetings. star is. Yes, yeah. mm-hmm. fucking full-blown, like, we're going to get you a nutritionist, and we're going to get you down to this weight, but you're still going to have to do this on top of it, for the, and you're going to be in makeup for these many hours. Like, that's 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 that might be the biggest hurdle you have to making a thinner yeah. movie is all the qualifications that go along with like what your star is going to have to do. And they just went, yeah, just put them in a fucking pinata for the whole thing. And, <laughs> and then you know, shove the suit on. And then yeah, yeah. the shower scene will be great. Can you imagine, they never do this, but can you imagine pro- uh, approaching this in the way that like Zemeckis did with Castaway, right? Where you get, you get right. an actor who's, you know, on the bigger side, not even like super fat. Like I'm talking Benicio Del Toro and in, in Fear and Loathing, you know, okay. he's got a, a gut and then you like pause production halfway through and then he comes back and he's like fucking like uh, was it Living Daylights, whatever the James Bond movie he was in where he was just super cut and, mm. and fell and Benicio Del Toro was. <laughs> Let's get machinist Bale yeah. on a fucking a thinner remake. He well, can, Christian Bale <laughs> would do it. No yeah. problem. Yeah, yeah. In a heartbeat. Matt Damon tried it, and he was like, "Well, I can't ever do that again. I almost died. Um, yeah. Courage under fire." But you know, it's uh, Christian Bale's like, "Yeah, fuck, no problem." Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll make the Machinist and Batman Begins in the same year. Yeah, I was. Yeah, very, very, uh, very cool diet plan. Remember that with those early beefy picks? He's like, "Well, oh, I just ate a bunch of ice cream and lifted weights, and I went too far." Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's what rjb did yes well well he didn't do and that's the problem um but uh <laughs> you know me you know <laughs> he was so excited to take this role by the way it's also like this is a the way that that trailer is if you you revisit it with the tuba and all and the you know mm-hmm. puppet it is it's such <laughs> a comedy it's it's like a bump it's like the it's a horror shallow how, which might be redundant, but it's uh, it's it's like this isn't the right actor, you know? They should like why didn't they get Dana Carvey? I don't know. They could have gotten any SNL or like a sta- like a stand up comedian. I don't know. Back when Dennis Miller was doing stand up, maybe they could have gotten Den- you know DM instead of RJB just because he was like it's like putting in that was what was interesting about it, looking at it now even the trailer. It's like oh this guy is. 
it's like when they put a just a like a good actor in a role that's like meant to be funny. Like I love Kevin Bacon. I've worked with Kevin Bacon. It's like, but he's like, I need a little help with improv. It's like it kind of felt like that mm. with RJB. It's like, oh, you know, they kind of needed someone who was probably like a little bit more of a comedic actor. Or maybe they just added tuba, and I'm thinking too much about the uh, conflicting tone here. Um, but, uh, but the combination of his like raspy voice and, um, you know, the fact that they put him in this mattress, it's just, if only he, you know, if only he were at least a stand up. that's all I'm saying. It just felt right. like that, that was the intention. I'd love to see the casting list, like the one, two, three choices, you know, Josh, if you were remaking this today, who are your top three? Christian Bale, uh, Dana Carvey <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> John Goodman, you know, well, John Goodman, actually, that'd be really fun. Cause it would be, you know, helpful. Um, and, uh, no, I, yeah, oh he's gosh. lost a lot of weight recently anyway. So he looks yeah, he great. Had. I don't know why he's doing those, like, um, those lotto commercials or whatever. He's like a finger. I don't know if it's even lottery tickets. I don't know. It could be oh, a, a, a wireless that. commercial. That's but upsetting. yeah, it's like, I know it's like, you needed the, you need the cash. I think at some point it's like, yeah, it might be fun to do this. America, yeah, I think he's in the fuck it. Why not? If you offer me a job, I'll take it. Because he's, yeah. he, I mean, he's on the Connors still. And that's, yeah, I think that's still a pretty I don't, big I show. I don't begrudge anyone for making a living. But also, yeah. Goodman should have won three fucking Oscars over I know, now. Yeah, no shit. You know? Amen to that. Absolutely. And you know what? If he, if he did, he came in and did thinner today, regardless of how much we might compromise his health. I think he would just... <laughs> I think he would kill it. No, they do a Benjamin Button thing. You get anybody you want. You put, you know, Benjamin Button's head on, you know, someone's someone else's body. Right. Work yeah. Because now you, you can, would you, you can approach use that Chris it Evans with, technology. Just, would I pull an Irishman if I had like thirty well, million to make? Yeah. Thinner? Would you uh, would you approach it with prosthetics or would you do a mix or would you just straight? I think straight this to is CGI? great. This is this is the show. I think you, there's a world now we live in where you can do just about anything with CGI. I saw Quiet Place Two the other day, and the things they can do. It's like clearly you're making an animated movie, and you just you know the practical effects are blowing up a barrel in the foreground and the background. Then you just you know add in the cartoon. Um, I think uh, we can mm-hmm. do some amazing stuff with with a body. You know, I think we can we can get Goodman's acting chops. You know, put a put a nice toupee on him, get the gray out. Make him a bit of a you know younger hotshot lawyer. I don't know why we'd have to go younger, and then just like kind of let the um, the <laughs> ancient like aging in the, the flashback scenes in the real gemstones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. It's only because I love that show. Although, I mean, see, Danny McBride would also be fucking great too. Like that's the kind oh, of man. actor they should have gotten for thinner. Oh my lord! That's the that's the dude. Yeah. Well, when you said younger hotshot lawyer, the first thing I thought of was. <laughs> Michael J. Fox in Doc Hollywood. He's not even a lawyer in that. Uh, He's a doctor, but yeah, well, he's yeah, he's a doctor. He's a real doctor, you know, Um, but also he just had gas. Give him a Coke. It would be (laughs) it would be so funny (laughs) to see Michael J. Fox in that suit nowadays. Oh, not, yeah, and not because of his disability, I want to be clear, but just because right, of course, Michael, of course, Michael because J. He, Fox is just because he would bring a lot of nuance to uh, to Billy, you know, to Billy yeah. Halleck. Yeah. And, and can I say, I just miss seeing Michael J. Fox on the big screen. You know, yeah, it's like real, I, if you rewatch like Frighteners or like, I'm not even talking back to the future, like, you know, pinnacle Michael J. Fox, but like, like he, he brought so much to, to the screen and. 
I don't, I don't know. Like I, I, I think we, we uh, really missed out on a great. Late I career. think we, we did. We had enough Matthew Broderick, uh, you know, kind of come back in playing a jerk every once in a while. We could use a Michael J. Fox election character. Like let's have right. him come in and do like, you know, an HBO movie where he gets to, you know, play a reverend and have some odd. Fucking hell. Imagine, imagine Fox doing a Tarantino movie, there you, you know, with, with that dialogue. Like I would watch that all fucking day. Um, yeah, really, yeah. really unfortunate what happened to that guy, and you know, but know. definitely love him and, yeah. and props to him for, for, you know, being in the forefront, you know, of the Parkinson's, you know, push to, for, yeah, for that for research real. and, and using, you know, that celebrity and going to cons and stuff where he's not making yeah. money there. He's just raising, he's selling his autograph for a hundred bucks, but it's, it's all going to, to, to research is like you know that, that that dude's doing it doing it right so also love that they're just like yeah we're gonna keep doing like a back to the future fucking you know super bowl commercial and he's like yeah hell yeah i'll do that and christopher lloyd's yeah. like hell yeah i'll do that before i do richard yeah. the third um but they're <laughs> just, you know they just eat it up because they love it that's like right part of their part of their legacy and uh you know helps him do the other stuff yeah but what's robert mm. J, you know what's rjb's charity besides signing <laughs> uh, you know autographs at thinner, <laughs> at thinner con, you know yeah at thinner, thinner yeah 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 thinner con <laughs> we tried to get into uh thinner con 2021 and you get uh, lanyards yeah you know they just wouldn't have us we just didn't have the we didn't have enough listeners well, that was the, the, thing. the um, yeah, mm-hmm. the audience was a little light. Oh, well, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's you know they took uh, the thinner cast, and that's going to be their headliner <laughs> on the B yeah, stage. That's right. Yeah, but the thinner cast is me, Noah Sagan, and RJB. <laughs> You're going to want yeah. Dave Schilling as a special guest because he's, yeah, he's going to have go. some have something to takes. add to that. Yeah. But I think we've uh, we've had our way with thinner once again. Um, Josh, uh, we we already talked about this up front, but because the movie is coming out this week, let's uh, yeah. this is usually the part in the episode where we allow our guests <laughs> to pitch whatever they're uh, working on next. So here is your time. Let's uh, let's get people to watch Werewolves Within this Friday. How do we do that? Well, if you like uh, Knives Out, but with a werewolf. <laughs> um, get on it, you know, cause that's basically what it is. Not to say that, um, you know, uh, we put in nearly as much work as Ryan, nor did we have the, you know, another 40 million. Um, yes. but, uh, but I think it's a good time. I think we all need this right now as much as we love, a, you know, a traumatized mom sawing off her own head while levitating. I think that this is now the time <laughs> to maybe, maybe, uh, bring the fam, you know, especially family that can endure a curse word every once in a while. And, Watch funny people point fingers at each other while a creature uh, picks them off one by one, or maybe they do. You know, I agree. I agree. It's a hell of a ride. I think. I think we need it. It's you know, it's been a while since we had a fun movie ride. It's a whodunit. It's got werewolves. It's got Sam Richardson, your boy from. Uh, Oof. You know, I think you should leave, and a number of other insanely funny comedy projects. Uh, and it has the, the full King cast seal of approval, just an excellent movie. And we really hope that everyone checks it out. Oh, me too. Good Lord. You know, if, if you could do it for ready or not, I hope you could do it for uh, ready or wolf. So thank you. I hope you guys, (laughs) I hope you guys check it out. It's got a little something for everyone. You got, you got the, you know, the yellow King, Glenn Fleshler. He's in it. Rebecca Henderson. You got a little Russian doll. You got a little, what we do in the shadows, Mm -hmm. Harvey Gian, Disney fans get, Cheyenne Jackson, who's also going to be in Borderlands, because that's rad. 
I mean, you really do you get a little Cohen brothers, you know, you got Wayne Duvall. I mean, come on guys, let's go. I got to, I got to tell you mad respect for the yellow King reference. Mm. Yeah, dude. Mm. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Italian Terrifying. kissing fingers. Mm. <laughs> Don't think I didn't beg Glenn Fleshler to tell me stories about working with the Joker uh, at lunch. And he did. Um, and, uh, he's, uh, that dude is wonderful. I can't wait to work with him. I mean, all of them again, but Glenn was just like terrifying presence. And then he talked to him. He's like, Oh, you're, you're just a nice man. Um, I said, uh, you know, <laughs> Hey, I, I hope you're, I hope, Hey Glenn, I, uh, I hope you're ready for, you know, hugs, handshakes, elbow bumps, whatever the Tribeca premiere. And he just wrote all the above baby period. And I was just like, man, Glenn Flesher, just, uh, you know, <laughs> that's I, the appropriate that. response. If you had been like, this guy's too nice. He's yeah. probably not even made flowers on his sister. <laughs> like I don't, you know. Uh, and Dowd, man. Yeah. God, yeah. what a duo. Agreed. Aunt Lydia. Here we go. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. This was uh, a blast. I'm not sure that we learned anything further on Same. Thinner, but uh, I think people will be very entertained <laughs> by this. And uh, we we wish you all the luck in the world with Werewolves Within, which all of our listeners should listen to so that Josh can make this remake of the of not the needful things, but <laughs> needful things that I'm imagining. Thank you, gentlemen. It was a real pleasure. Bucket list item. I can I can die happy now. Thank you. Many thanks to Josh Rubin for joining us this week. One more friendly reminder, Werewolves Within sees release this weekend. Watch it. You'll thank us for this recommend later. I promise. For our outro this week, it's going to be just me, so I'm going to make sure this one's short and sweet. Let's get down to it, shall we? Next week, we return to the hallowed grounds of Tarker's Mill. That's right, we're talking Silver Bullet and Cycle of the Werewolf, and our guest is a doozy. Here are your hints. He's a director. He's known for making some iconic horror movies. Uh, He has a pretty unique insight into this particular title, and is quite possibly one of the nicest guys in showbiz to boot. And this Friday on our Patreon, we are joined by film blogger and Saturday Night Live expert Mike Ryan to discuss our favorite Stephen King-related sketches from SNL. This episode contains some really bad Christopher Walken impressions, copious amounts of Bill Hader appreciation, some Rob Schneider shit-talking, you know, the works, a fully balanced meal for your ear holes. You can hear that episode plus multiple dozens of our other backlogged episodes exclusively for our Patreon supporters by going to patreon.com slash the Kingcast and signing up. Uh, while you have your to-do list out, make sure to rate and review us on iTunes and Spotify. You know the spiel about rating and reviewing, but it really does help. And that's it for this week. See y'all next week for Silver Bullet slash Cycle of the Werewolf. The Kingcast is a Fangoria podcast production. The show is produced, hosted, and created by Eric Vespi, that's me, and Scott Wampler. Tira Ansley and Abby Goel are executive producers. Daniel Danger is our art director, and editing is done by yours truly. Thinner. 